Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A reality that we are often reminded as we live this life is that we only have one life. Uh, We are constantly rushing and being busy in life, but sometimes we need to uh, take some time to recognize that we only have just one, this one life. The reality of one life should help us to prioritize our lives and also count that which is most important. Uh, Think about this for a moment. We only have one life to love as we walk this earthly trail. Now we understand that we could love in heaven. We could love eternally. But as we have this one life, or maybe average of 70 or 80 years, in this physical life, we only have one chance to love as we walk this earthly trail. And we need to realize that we can't be consumed with just hate and cruelty with this one life. And I think about the extremist uh, uh, terrorists and uh, of the Muslim background, you know, uh, they're just spending their life in hate and cruelty. And of course, as Christians, we are commanded to love, for God is love. And we are commanded to have peace, and, and not just with Christians, but with all men. And uh, as we think about this one life, God has instructed us to invest in this one life in love. We only have one life to really rear our children and also to take care of them. How we need to prioritize our lives in such a way to guide them and help them. We only have one life to be parents. And uh, I think of my own children. I have three three children today. And uh, as we uh, uh, rear them, as we pray for them, as we want to see them have a bright future, I realize every day that I only have one, 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 time, one life and one time to do that. I don't have a second chance later. Think about my marriage. I only have one marriage, one chance to make this right. And uh, we need to recognize that one life is a great, wonderful truth to inspire us to prioritize our life in the right way. We only have one life to sacrifice and give. We could spend our time coveting and wanting on a time, wanting all the time, and never being satisfied. But as we think about our lives, I believe Jesus Christ put it very in a good perspective for us to understand: it's better to give than to receive. And our life should be about giving. Our life should be about sacrifice. And we only have one life to do that. We only have one life to be saved. We can spend all our lives questioning and never come to a decision about Jesus. You can spend all your life digging through the Bible and coming to church, but never know Christ is your Savior and never come to that decision and surrender and saying, I am a sinner, Lord. I need you to cleanse my sin. I need you to take, you to go, take me to go to heaven. And you could ponder, you could study, you could question your life today, but your time might run out and the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, For he said, I have heard thee in a time accepted in the day of salvation. Have I succored thee? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. What is God saying? Be saved now. You might not have another chance later. 
God has never delayed salvation for any man. It's always been man delaying salvation. People always pushing aside the truth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and they have maybe coveted sin. They have some lustful lives. They don't want to forfeit, and they don't want to repent, and they don't want to believe in Jesus. But they need to consider that they only have one life to make this decision. And you cannot make this decision after you die. The Bible says it is pointed for man once to die, after this, the judgment. That judgment is the wrath of God. It's not in any sense that you'll be judged whether you have good works or bad works. It's not like trial system here. The Bible says the wrath of God is abiding on you already, according to John chapter 3, verse 36. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You'll not be judged later, okay? And uh, you're not, in any sense, uh, innocent, proven guilty. It's not the system that, uh, that God holds in this book and in the realm of eternity. God says you're guilty already, and the wrath of God abides on you. So be saved. Let me cleanse your sins. Let me have your le- record clean, and, and let me take you to go to heaven. You just need to say and believe that I am your Savior. You only have one life to make that decision. Have you made that decision? Have you sincerely made a decision about the Savior? And uh, our life could end any time, any moment, with no warning. James chapter 4, verse 14. Where is you know now what should be on tomorrow? For what is your life? It is a, even a vapor that appear for a little time and then vanisheth away. I'm sure many of you have cooked and uh, I'm sure many of you have seen some vapor in life and how it just appears for a little time, as the Bible says, and then it vanishes away. You cannot store in vapor at all. It just disappears. And that's how our life is. The Bible says it just vanishes away. Your life is very short. You need to come to the saving knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You need to uh, uh, come to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You cannot just be neutral all your life and thinking that maybe after this life I'll go to heaven. No, you need to come to Christ today. Now is the accepted time. We must love life, but also we must be good stewards of life and treasure this life. The Bible says, this life that we have been given by God. Yes, we have, born, we have been born in sin. Yes, we have committed uh, willful sins, and we have been proven guilty, and, and we recognize that. But life, is, life itself is still a gift from the Lord. And we need to recognize that we must be good steward. As I mentioned before, I think one wonderful responsibility that we have toward our God is that we get saved because Christ already made the sacrifice on the cross. He made that way. He is the truth and he is the life. And he has open arms to the world so that they all could be saved. And God wants everyone saved. God wants Muslims to be saved. God wants uh, Buddhists to be saved. God wants Hinduists to be saved. God wants 
atheists to be saved. God died for all people in this world. And one responsibility of man is that they respond to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and they claim him as their only Savior. That's being a good steward of your life. Treasuring the life that God has given you and not wasting it in sin and going to the lake of fire and being separated from God. Now, as Christians today, I believe, as we're born again, as we're saved, what a wonderful, privileged position that we're in. And I hope that as Christians, that we take more heavily upon this responsibility of treasuring this life and then living this new life in a greater way. I think about John chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And we understand that scripture to be true, and we say amen, and, and that we the Lord. And, uh, but I wonder if our life is conducting in the way of our speech and of our feelings and of our, our agreement according to the scripture. Do you take your life lightly today, even as a Christian? It is given by God and you must be good stewards of them and your life should not be a waste and your life is not a waste. Recognize that today. Ralph Barden was one of the top cartoonists in this nation back in the 20s. He one day left this note pinned to his pillow before taking his own life. I have had few difficulties, many friends, great successes. I have gone from wife to wife, from house to house, visited great countries of the world, But I am fed up with inventing devices to fill up 24 hours of the day. And that day, Mr. Barton took his own life at the age of 39 years old. You see, for Mr. Barton, his life was exhausting. He was looking for pleasure. He was looking for gratification. But he never found full satisfaction in life. And just living another hour became a waste. And he concluded that his life was a waste. So at the age of 39, he took his own life. Committed suicide. Ladies and gentlemen, life is a gift from God. And we need to be good stewards of our life. If we are just wasting it in sin, yes, it's going to be exhausting. It's going to be wearisome. It's going to, in every way, take a great toll on your life. And like Mr. Barton, you're going to have no hope because you have just fulfilled the flesh and the pleasure, and which is never enough. But ladies and gentlemen, if you're living in the Spirit, if you're living after God, there is always a full life. There is always satisfaction. There is always hope. And, and, and every day is worth the living because Christ is reigning in your life and Christ is living in your life. Oh, as Christians, let us not consider our life to be a waste. It is a great gift. And let us not waste it in sin or maybe in disappointments and even discouragement. Let us be more encouraged knowing that God is always reigning. God is sovereign. Let us trust in Him. And let us live this short life in a very full manner, as I mentioned before. In prayer, Jesus Christ only lived for 33 and a half years. But He lived a full life in pleasing the Father. And Jesus Christ had never had a moment of regret. 
Every decision and every path he walked, he did it for the purpose of God. And it was not a waste. And these gentlemen, we need to follow after that same example. And we need to live after God. And we need to have this full life. It might be short, but have a full life, my friend. About the Apostle Paul, he realized that his life was worth living because of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, you know, I die, but thank God Jesus Christ is reigning. Thank God Jesus Christ is controlling my life. And thank God Jesus Christ loves me and I could live according to his purpose. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If there's anybody in the Bible who had to feel guilty about his past, I think it would be Apostle Paul. Historians say that he might have killed over 2,000 Christians and imprisoned many other uh, family members and even children who confessed Christ as their Savior. This man was very cruel, and, and he in every way wanted to do harm physically to these people in Jerusalem, and not only that, in Judea, and also he was on the way to Damascus. And he had the blood of Stephen on his hand, everybody left their garment before they stoned Stephen to a young man named Saul. If anybody would have any guilt about his past, it would be the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine Apostle Paul teaching and, and trying to preach, maybe in Jerusalem, and, and uh, uh, he's seeing the audience, maybe some of those family members, uh, uh, have been in prison, or maybe uh, 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 some uh, 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 a daughter or son have their parents die in the hands of Paul. Can you imagine the guilt and the insecurity that he might have in teaching those people and sharing the word of God with them in Jerusalem? Or maybe even in the region of Judea. But Apostle Paul knew that all the things in the past are in the past. He knew, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He firmly believed it. He wrote it to the church of Corinth, and, and he was encouraging them, hey, do not be insecure about the past. Live after the new. Live after the Lord Jesus Christ. Life is worth the living. And Legion, I don't know what you have done in the past, my friend, but if you've been saved, you've been born again, it's all under the blood. It's been forgiven, and it's been forgotten, God's people say. And don't be insecure about your life today, and, and don't in any, in any way let shame rule your life. No, find the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and come boldly to the throne of grace, and seek mercy, seek the love of God, and do not waste this life in, in the shadow somewhere, not doing anything for Jesus. No, live in the light of our Savior, Jesus, live after Him, and make every decision according to His plan and purpose. Live out your life, not a, not a waste, but as a full manner. His life, our Savior's life, inspires us to follow his footsteps. 
And by the way, he only came down once, as he did 2,000 years ago, and he'll never come back the same way again. His first visitation has come and gone. It will never happen again. He won't be born in a manger again. He won't be baptized of John again. He won't call another 12 disciples. He won't wash the disciples' feet again. He won't come again to establish his church. He won't die again. He won't shed his blood again. He won't rise again. I'm simply concluding that Christ lived this life as a Lamb of God 2,000 years ago, and his life was worthy, his life was exemplary, his life had no regrets, and we need to look after this full life and follow the same footsteps. I want to encourage you as Christians today to consider the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He only came down once, and this life has been preached and shared for the last 2,000 years, and many people considered him, and many people received him as their personal Savior, and many people died in their faith toward their God because of of this life we're talking about today. But think about the Savior during this Christmas time. Think about his life, what it means to you. This one life that he lived for 33 and a half years, 2,000 years ago. How would it encourage you? How would it guide you in this Christmas season? Not only during this Christmas season, but entire your whole life. I'd share with you three motivating examples of our Savior's life. Number one, unwrapping his life, I believe we need to consider the Father's business. The Father's business. Luke chapter 2, verse 49. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me, wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? You know, in Luke chapter 2 here, Christ is only 12 years old. You know, my daughter is 7 years old. It doesn't matter. Let's say 5 years later, she's 12 years old. She comes up to me and she says, Don't you know, Dad, I must be about my father's business? And I said, What are you saying to me? <laughs> I mean, the way he spoke with authority. Of course, he was a son of God. But as we think about our own children, you know, if your children would speak to you, I think in every way uh, you would rebuke them sharply or maybe reprove them and try to correct them. And this speech in our, I guess, uh, uh, realm of parenting doesn't make sense, but to God it made sense. He said, I must be about my father's business. You see, all of Christ's life, from the beginning of his birth and to the end of the cross or even the resurrection, was about the father. What his father commissioned him to do, and I believe as we think about the scripture, he did not hesitate to do. His life was about fervency and obedience to the Father. He often used the words, I must. I must do this. I must do that. I believe that this communicates his passion and obedience to God's purpose. And we notice in the scripture in uh, in Luke here, that as he was a 12-year-old boy, he said, I must be about my father's business. He didn't say, I might, I'm thinking about it. He said, I must be about my father's business. I think about the scripture in John chapter 9 and verse 4 in ministry. He says, I must work 
the works of him that sent me. Why, it is day, the night cometh, and no man can work. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, and he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. In Luke chapter 13, he says again, Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. In John 10, 16, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must Bring You see, the Father's business required haste, passion, and obedience for the Lord Jesus Christ. And for some of us, in comparison to Christ's life, we are always saying, maybe I might, rather than I must. I might go to church today. You know what? I might read my Bible. You know what? I might pray today. I might pray for my spouse. I might pray for my children if I'm not too tired. I might maybe invite someone to church for Christmas Sunday. I know I received the cars, but I might do it. Let me pray about it. And by the way, I don't think you need to pray about the Great Commission. It's already been given. There are a lot of things you don't need to pray about according to the Scripture. I believe it's already laid out here. There are some things that God wants you to do. You just need to simply obey. Oh, I might serve God. You know, I might give tithes. I might support mission. I might love. And you know what? I might forgive somebody. There are, lady, there, there are always I might and maybes in our lives. And we sometimes even try to spiritualize it. And I, let me pray about it. Well, it's some, in every way, I believe in the obedience to our God who deserves it. We must say, I must. I must read my Bible every single day. I must pray with my spouse. I must go to church. I cannot miss, you know, uh, 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 one Sunday. I cannot just go once a week. I got to go three times a week. Every time the door is open, I want to be there. You know what? I might love people. According to my expectation, I'm sorry, I must love people, and I must in every way forgive them. I must do my best to have a holy relationship with others, and not I might. Did you know that our Savior, Jesus Christ, never had a plan B? He never had a plan B. It was always plan A. I obey the Father, I do what the Father says. There's no exception. Oh, you might say, oh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that's easy for him. We think about the cross, though. Didn't Jesus say, let this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ obeyed the Father and did all according to what God wanted him to do. Yes, he was the Son of God, but it's very obvious it took sacrifice. The Christian life is not always about comfort and just doing it maybe in certain, certain instances. It takes I must type of Christian life. I must. I must be a Christian. I must live holy. 
I must live godly. I must. The Bible encourages us in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Could you uh, read this with me on the screen? Ready? Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. There is no exception there in that verse. Apostle Paul didn't say, hey, consider this and maybe you want to do it. No, he says, just do it. Don't be slothful. Be fervent. Serve the Lord. Why did you stop coming so early? Why did you stop going Saturday mornings? Why did you stop coming to Wednesday night service? Why did you stop coming to Sunday night service? What happened there? We're slothful in business. We're not fervent in spirit. We're not serving the Lord. You must say, I must, to the Father's business. Secondly, unwrapping his life, the Father's pleasure. The Father's pleasure. John chapter 8, verse 29, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. You know, we need to know that God has his desire, and there are things that our God is pleased with. And we need to follow after his pleasure, not our own. Our pleasures are fleshly and earthly, essential, devilish, and lustful in many ways. And God warns us of this, and our pleasure has covetousness. In James chapter 5, verse 5, You have lived in pleasure on the earth, and have been wanton. You have been nourished in your heart as in a day of slaughter, and our pleasure could also uh, uh, speak the statement of living it up in First Timothy chapter 5, verse 6, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth, and our pleasure could be very sinful in Romans chapter 1, verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God, they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You know what the Bible is saying? Do not trust yourself. Do not trust your own pleasure. You're going to be lustful. You're going to be devilish. You don't know your boundaries. You don't know your limits. And you're going to love your sin, according to Romans chapter 1. Have pleasure in them that do them. You see, our pleasure in the flesh is contrary to the Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God today? If not, then it would be hard for us to know the desire and the will of the Spirit. And I wonder if you're pleasing the Lord, or are you pleasing yourself? I'm glad that you're happy in your Christian life. I'm happy about what I'm doing right now. I'm so happy I have a good job. I'm so happy about the financial security. I'm so happy about these things. But those are just simple, temporary pleasures, my friend. Where is your pleasure spiritually and eternally? Where is your pleasure in the Lord? Could you say something about the Lord this morning that gives you pleasure? What are you doing for the Lord that gives you pleasure? How are you living for God that gives you pleasure? And most importantly, that gives God pleasure. You could say that you're happy. But I wonder if God is pleased with you. I wonder if God is pleased with me. And one way that we live after God's pleasure is that we live by faith. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. Now the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. You know, the Hebrew writer made it very clear. When we have faith, we diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Have faith in God so that you may know his pleasure. And we cannot seek him unless we have faith in him. Do you have faith in God today? Do you have faith in God concerning your life? Do you believe that he's doing something good? And do you believe that God wants to make you to be more like Jesus? Do you see great pleasure in God's plan as he does in you? Do you have faith in that, my friend? You see, faithlessness, according to the Bible, is perversion. Jesus Christ said, oh, you faithless and perverse generation. And Hebrew writer said about the Israelites who are unbelieving, they had an evil heart of unbelief. Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome, anything without faith is sin. See, ladies and gentlemen, faith is a priority. We need to have faith in God so that we may seek the Lord and also we might seek his pleasure, what what he is pleased with us concerning our life. How's your life this morning? Your one life that you have, are you pleasing the Lord? Are you obeying him? Are you living after him? Or are you living for yourself? Did you do anything for God this week? Did you sacrifice for Jesus for anything? Do we just watch TV and search the internet and eat and be merry and drink? Is that all we did? What do we do for Jesus? The Father's pleasure. Jesus says, I always do the things that please me. Number three, unwrapping his life, the Father's honor. John chapter 8, verse 54 and 55. Jesus answered, if, honor, I, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom he say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. If I should say I know him not, I should be a liar unto you. But I know him and keep his saying." You know, Father honored the Son. The Son, Jesus Christ, said these words, John chapter 12, verse 26, If any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. You know, God is the only one that could really honor you. God is the only one that could really honor me. The president is uh, giving us some awards, I think, today to some artists, film artists. And uh, it's one of those honors and those, uh, I guess, prizes that you could only earn in a few decades. And uh, as we think about the honor that these people will receive, It's only honorable because the president gives it. If I were to give it, it means nothing. (laughs) I think one of them is George Lucas. He's getting honored by the president. 
Everybody Star Wars on right now? Yes? Okay. By the way, it's, next week is Christmas Sunday. Amen? All right? Okay. I know you're looking forward to the Force Awakens, okay? But think about Christmas before you do that. But if I give an honor to George Lucas, it means nothing. But because the president gives it, it means a whole lot. It has a great weight. It has a great, exceptional honor and act of generosity. You know, the honor we're talking about in the Bible, if God honors us, that is the greatest honor that we could ever receive in life. If God is pleased with us and he honors us, that is a wonderful privilege. As we live this one life, let's recognize his honor. He is the one that blesses. He's the one that uplifts. He's the one that gives. He's the one who can also take away. Let us never take lightly of God's honor, but this honor we're talking about comes from God, but I believe through humility. Look at the scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourself, therefore, the under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 33. The fear of the Lord is instruction of wisdom, and before honor is what? Humility. The example of our Savior in Philippians chapter 2 is very clear. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, that took upon him in the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man. And being found as a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to the death of the cross. In verse 9, wherefore God had highly exalted him. These gentlemen, God had his order even for his son. I want to make sure that he comes in a humble beginning as a carpenter's son, as a servant, in the likeness of man. I want to have him to be the son of man in the first visitation. And he'll be obedient unto death. And he'll rise again, of course. But after that phase is done, I'm going to honor him and exalt him above all things. And ladies and gentlemen, if God does that to his son, let's recognize that he'll he has the same process with us. God can never honor your marriage, your family, or even this church unless we're humble. God even hates proud love. You look it up in Proverbs. What is an abomination to God? What God hates. The Bible says, number one, a proud look. A proud He even hates that. You're living a life of pride, my friend. You're not living a life of obedience. You're not living a life of humility. You're living a life of pride. Trying to defend your sin. Trying to defend your lukewarmness. Oh, you know what? I can't do all those things. I can't really serve God. I can't do the things that God wants me to do. Justifying yourself all the time. You know what that is? Pride. Excuses are pride. You think about Adam and Eve. What did they do? After they committed sin, they picked up the fruit. Jesus, God comes down, looks them up, 
and God speaks to Eve. Uh, God speaks to Adam first, I'm sorry, Adam. Adam, what did you do? You picked up the fruit. Adam says, the woman that you gave this me, she gave me the fruit. What did Eve say after God confronted Eve? Eve said, oh, the serpent, serpent beguiled me. Then I took the fruit. What did the first man and the first woman do after they committed sin or fell into sin? They made excuses. They blamed another. It's not me. It's not my fault. Notice that Adam blamed God first. The woman thou gavest me. Some of us are making so many excuses, you're not even recognizing that we're blaming God through the whole process. And ladies and gentlemen, you only have one life to live. Is it going to be full of excuses, or is it going to be full of obedience?